As we open the Bible today, we are on the last book of the Bible and almost the last page, Revelations 22. It's found on page 1938 in your pew Bible. The river of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the place, the things that soon must take place. The very words of God. Father, thank you. Thank you that we can be here this morning to worship you in so many different ways, that we can bless our children and our teachers and the staff and uh, faculty of schools uh, as they be look ahead to uh, a new year. And Lord, we do it all to praise you and honor you. And Lord, now we've heard your word straight from your scripture. We've incorporated your word into all parts of our worship, but, but we ask that your word may make its way deep inside of us, that it may shape our minds and hearts and souls so that we look more and more like you. Lord, I pray that the words which will be spoken now, may they be your words and not mine. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's the Labor Day weekend. And often you would think, okay, we're going to get a sermon about, uh, about work and uh, the value of work and all that kind of stuff. But we're going to finish up our summer series because uh, it's the first day of fall or the last day of summer, however you want to look at it. And we've been looking at trees. And we've looked at trees right from the very beginning in the first book of the Bible, Genesis 1. We already have references to trees. And the first three chapters of, of Genesis, the first three chapters of the book of the Bible, uh, the, the Bible, are, are all about trees and our relationship with trees. And this morning, we're in the very last chapter of the Bible. And again, trees come back. Now, in the very first chapters of the Bible, there's trees that are emphasized. There's two trees, a tree of life and a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, and there's two people there, and they're created in the image of God, and God walks with them, and God talks with them, and, and there's something really special about their relationship with God. Like, 
Can you imagine walking with God? The disciples and lots of people got to do with Jesus, but this is before Jesus comes. You're able to walk with God and at the end of the day say, hey, how was your day? I always wondered, how does God's day go? I don't know. I, I, I sometimes wonder those things. But then he'd ask us the same thing. How is your day going? Now, now, Adam and Eve are given just one tree in all the trees of creation, just one that they can't eat from, tree of knowledge of good and evil. But you know what? We want to know stuff. We want to know stuff because that gives us more power and more control. And, and, and Satan said, you know what? If you eat from that tree, you'll be just like God. And they eat from that tree instead of tree of life. They choose knowledge over, over life. And because of that, there's a punishment. They're kicked out of the Garden of Eden. They're, they're kicked out so that they can't eat from the tree of life because the punishment from eating from the tree of life was death. And if you ate from the tree of life, they couldn't die. And that means that the humanity would just drift further and further from God. There would never be an opportunity to come back again. God's only option then would have been to destroy humanity. And God doesn't give up on us. But that also means that that we can no longer walk close with God. We can no longer walk with him at the end of the day and say, hey, how was your day? And that's, that's heartbreaking in, in so many ways. But now we get to the end of the, of the Bible. And there's a garden again. It's not the Garden of Eden. Now this is a garden in a city. See, history progresses, life progresses. We, we don't stay the same, and that's the same with creation that God has made us. Creation develops and grows, and the potential is discovered and unleashed. That's why school is so important and so wonderful, because the teachers and, and staff and faculty, they invest in us, and, and they help us to see the wonders of creation and, and the possibilities and the potential that might be. But in this garden, in the city... There is no tree of knowledge of good and evil. That tree, it's gone. It's forgotten. It's not even mentioned again after Genesis 3. Whereas there's images of the tree of life that keep coming back, and now we get this big picture of the tree of life. And it's a tree of healing. It's a tree of hope. It's a tree of abundance. And it's not only the fruit that's good, Turn this around, because last week we talked about growing healthy fruit. Well, this week we're going to just look at healthy fruit. I think it's time to throw it out as well. But, uh, but even the leaves of the tree are good for healing. For the healing of the nations. But for the healing of our souls. And, and even the healing of our bodies. When I read this passage, it touches my soul, because I had a brother, Glenn. He wasn't a biological brother, but he came into my family when, when he was three days old, and he had all kinds of, all kinds of problems. You see, when he was born, his mom didn't want him. When she went in labor, she worked as hard as she could not to give birth to him. And because of that, he developed mental retardation and epilepsy and cerebral palsy. He was autistic. 
but he also had so much pain. He lived a whole life, 19 years of pain. And yet he was a happy child. He was, he was a child that when I went away to, to, to the Navy and came back almost two years later, I walked in the house and said hi, and, and I could hear his, his, his call, his laughter from upstairs. This picture gives me hope. That one day I'll walk with him. And I'll be able to say to Glenn, hey, how was your day? What was life really like for you while you were living here? Now, what's it like living here with Jesus? With a body where you can walk, with a voice that you can talk, and words, with arms that you can hug us with. And there are so many people who need this image of healing. Part of my my role as a pastor is to walk with people who are hurting and who are broken. There are so many. It's easy to see that the people who physically are, are, are wrestling and struggling, and they have... They have their own needs. They have their own desires and hopes for healing. There are so many who are broken inside as well. There are, there are those who have been abused and broken by, by their parents or by those that are close, ones that they had trust, trusted. There are those who... who, who who for no fault of their own are attacked and innocence is taken away. There are those who, who struggle with self-doubt and, and they struggle with feelings of worthlessness and not belonging. There is so much suffering and hurt in this world. And so often I find myself walking alongside them and weeping with them and, and sometimes even raging against the world that, 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 that creates brokenness and hurt and evil like this. And so often, all I can do is point, point to God and saying, it's not going to stay this way forever. This is why the church is here. So that we can't always offer healing, but we can offer hope. And we can offer understanding and comfort. We can offer blessings and friendship and understanding. John's writing this revelation. And this vision, he's sharing it to churches that are, are going through persecution. He's sharing this with the churches that, that have seen loved ones nailed to crosses, burned, beaten, thrown in prison and forgotten, to families that have been broken apart. To to people who are are, are saying, is there is there any reason to keep following God if all we're going to get is suffering and pain and hopelessness? John is saying there's hope. 
is hope. You know, don't let what's going on right now pull you away from God. See, God is way greater. He is way bigger. You know what? We can't, we can't always experience healing in our bodies. We can't always experience healing from, from, from the brokenness and the hurt that's been, that's been created in us through people who we've trusted who have hurt us and broken us. But we can find hope. We can find peace because Jesus has given us his Holy Spirit. Because Jesus has come down and, and he became just like us. He walked this earth just like we walked this earth. He related to people just like we relate to people. And he was betrayed by people who, who should have loved him and who should have protected him. He was rejected at times by his own family who thought he was crazy. And then the closest people, the people he had invested into, one of them betrays him and says, you know what, for 40 pieces of silver, I'll hand them over to you and you can do whatever you want. The ones that he loved the most abandoned him when he needed them. Jesus takes all that brokenness and that rejection and that hurt and he takes it to the cross as part of the evil and the sin that he came to defeat. He takes that punishment for sin, death on himself, so that, so that we can find and experience new life again, so that we can, we can experience hope, so that we can know that what we're going through, if you are going through really hard, rough times, if you have been broken, if you have been abused and betrayed, that Jesus understands it, he gets it, and he wants to walk with you. But he also wants us to walk with you as well. You don't have to do this alone. See, the book of Revelation is a story of the battle that Satan's fighting against Jesus. A battle that Satan loses at the cross. And this tree of life now points us to Jesus' victory. And when I read this passage, I, I close my eyes so that I can see in my head this, this picture as well is, is, is a beautiful picture that, that John's giving us here. There's that wide street of gold. And, and, and gold, I know, it makes lousy paving bricks, but, but it means that it's precious and it's wonderful. And, and beside it is this stream of the water of life, and it's coming from the throne of God, and it's, it's all about healing and hope and refreshment and nourishment. And, and, and the picture is that in between the, 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 the river of water of life and, and this, golden, this golden road is, is a tree of life. And, and depending on, on where it's, it could be one tree or, or a series of trees. And, and it's trees that are, are giving fruit every season, every month. It's a picture of abundance. It's a picture of hope. It's a, it's a picture of healing. It's a picture of, of God saying, it's not going to stay this way. This is what I'm offering you. This is where we're heading to. This is where we're going. I give you hope. 
I think of all those pictures of, of life, all those pictures of, of water, and those pictures in, in, in Psalm 1 that we looked at, of, of that tree by water. You know, it doesn't matter what season it is, how dry, how rough things are, it's always flourishing. I think of Jesus at the well, meeting a woman who has been beaten down, who goes in the hot, hottest part of the day because her whole village has rejected her. She's, she's had so many husbands, so many people have rejected her and abandoned her. And, and, that, and, and, and Jesus says, I can give you life. I can give you hope. He accepts her for who she is, but loves her so much that he doesn't want her to stay who she is. He wants her to, to realize how much she is loved by God, and he offers her living water so she'll never be thirsty again. Water that will heal her, heal her soul and her mind. Grace and salvation come from Jesus, not from what we've done, not from who we are, but it comes from Jesus. Matthew Sleeth wrote Reforesting Faith, a book that reflects on how trees in the Bible help us to see and understand God more deeply. He loves how John describes heaven and Jesus' return. This is what he writes. Like others, I wonder what heaven will be like. On the earth, most people place their best chair or couch facing the television. In heaven, God's throne faces a tree. And the angel of life, uh, angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. I want to get to heaven to see God. I want to meet the saints, and I want to eat the fruit of heaven, he writes. And he says, and I want you, his readers, to have the goal of, of, of having an orchard in heaven. Scott Hosey, he's a, a professor of preaching at Calvin Seminary. He approaches this passage from a slightly different perspective. He says, you know, this passage generates hope. But true biblical hope is no opiate. It's no excuse for passivity, no reason not to rage appropriately against the mechanisms of, of injustice and poverty and corruption and violence today. Rather, hope is what animates us precisely to begin leaning into and living toward exactly the vision of abundant flourishing that, God, that John sketches in his vision. Hope is what gives us the steel and the grit to soldier on for the truth, to preach the gospel, to denounce that which Christ died to end and anything that will not have a place in the new creation. Hope is what got Mother Teresa to bathe the putrid flesh of lepers in Calcutta. Hope is what made Martin Luther King Jr. and the others walk across that bridge in Selma. Hope is what let Nelson Mandela get out of bed every morning Across long years of unjust imprisonment, hope is what moves every volunteer in a soup kitchen to lay out bowls of chicken and rice and to griddle up some toasted cheese sandwiches for the homeless. 
It's not the hopeless who found hospices, established Ebola clinics in remote parts of Africa, or stand in the breach when rival drug gangs threaten to shoot up whole neighborhoods. It's the hopeful who do all that precisely because they now serve a risen Savior who also right now has the power to accomplish what will fully come when the vision of Revelation 21 and 22 becomes every creature's everyday reality. We just don't sit here and say, yeah, life is really hard. We have a vision of what's to be, and that vision should drive us, to drive us to make a difference wherever we are. That's what I love about, about youth and young adults, because the generation today, the generation we, we too often say is, is entitled in that, is also a, a generation that looks forward and says, we're here to make a difference. We're not satisfied with the way the world is. We can make a difference whatever community we're in. And we need to catch that because that's a biblical vision. God has placed us here, not for ourselves. He's here. He placed us here to be his ambassadors, to be his people, to, to help make Lacombe and the area around here a little bit more like heaven. And it may not be in the big things. It's often in the small things. It's in circle of friends. It's in friendship ministry. It's, it's a student walking alongside somebody who's being bullied and saying, I'll be your friend. It's about grandparents who take in grandkids. It's about neighbors noticing neighbors. It's about the little things that all begin to add up. And we do it because we're driven to, because we know that at the end of it, there is this river of life with the tree of life, and that is for healing. So our prayer is, Lord, use us to be part of your healing now. Amen. Father, we are a people who need hope to live. And that's why we thank you for this vision that you gave John. A vision of, of Satan fighting against your son, but your son saying, I win. And your son bringing healing and hope and renewal and, and bringing us to a place where there be no more tears or mourning, a place where we'll be able to sit at your table together with you as our host, a place where your Father says, how's your day? So Lord, may we carry this vision forward and may we live it out wherever you place us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>